hi there, Ben here. Um, I'm afraid this has now become a, a trilogy of grovelling apologies. Yeah, it's been a massive gap since our last podcast. Um, we recorded this current one, um, well, a couple of weeks ago now, and even then that was, I think, later than we intended to do it. Um, Katie and I have been incredibly busy over the last um, few weeks, really, doing visa stuff and, and working again. Um, so the edit has, has taken a little longer than intended. Also, there were um, unforeseen audio issues with Harry's side of the recording, um, which required additional editing. And if you notice, especially towards the end, if Harry and I seem slightly out of sync, like I'm talking over him again, um, that's because of the way that our audio has been mixed and I'm not just a rude uh, a-hole. <laughs> uh, you know, arguably. Um so there's that. Uh, the other thing is, this is a very long, meandering podcast, especially when it gets to the discussion discussion about The Last of Us. Harry and I did record, at the sitting, um, a really long, spoilery discussion on top of our sort of main review, um, which, as you will hear, as because we sort of mentioned how long the thing's been going on for, we get to about two hours of length, uh, with everything included. Um, so what I've done is I've cut out that... Uh, or the uh, spoilery bit, and I'm going to put that up as it's as a separate podcast. Um, you may hear us sort of mention time stamping and skipping to different parts in the podcast, but that that was, uh, yeah, that was all changed in the edit. So um, yes, this is our main review, and we'll, we discuss it in quite a lot of depth. But if you'd like to know Harry and I's, Harry and my specific opinions on the spoilers, um, there will be a separate podcast in the feed where you can have a look at that. All right, that's it from me. Um, Enjoy this needlessly convoluted look at The Last of Us. See you later. Hi there, and welcome to episode 9 of the Consumed Podcast. It's the podcast where we are consuming and are consumed by video games, and occasionally, but rarely, other forms of popular culture. This week, I am joined by my lovely wife, Katie. Hello. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Pretty good. We missed last week and didn't even put anything yeah. out saying <laughs> saying we weren't going to do anything. Yeah. Sorry it's been a weird... for that. It's been a weird time, everyone. Sorry. Yes, I had promised that we did a little mini skip the main. And I was like, next week we'll do Last of Us. And then things just got away. I'm back at school. Katie's been traveling around America. All sorts of things got in the way. So sorry about that. But we should be back on a weekly format now. Anyway, we're also joined. It is our privilege to be joined by my brother, Harry. Hello. Hello. Are you well? I'm good, thank you. Are you? (laughs) Medium, mate, but uh, yeah, working on it. Cheers, though. Um, okay, <laughs> what's up? What's up, Katie? <laughs> it's just, you... just a really funny interaction. It's like the longer we go in lockdown, the more I forget how to talk to like <laughs> people <laughs> and like how to have some yeah. social interactions. Because, yeah, like, like Ben says, I did do a bit of traveling. Um, I drove over to the next state um, to visit some to visit a friend a good friend of mine uh stopped on the way home to visit another good friend of mine and took me a bit to get back in the groove of having a conversation in person with someone yes besides my parents 
it's one of those skills that needs to be continually shaped and honed and it just falls away when you yeah. stop using it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, our show is inexplicably split into three parts, a starter, a main course and a dessert. Some have argued conceptually confusing, um, which is you know, fair enough. This is nothing to do with food. It is just video games and stuff, but you know that's how it is. And in the starter, uh, we just talk about things that have happened in our week this is the bit where we don't actually discuss video games and stuff, just general life activities. Um, so, Harry, you're the guest. Let's start with you. How have you been over the last three weeks? Well, How's just, lockdown treated you? What have you been up to? Well, I haven't really seen anyone like most people. Um, mm. So I've just been here alone. Um, <laughs> but I've just uh, right. been... Keep it light, mate. Keep it light. I, I do apologise. <laughs> Um, I I try and keep it keep my life busy like um, because I'm going to be going to university in September uh, I'm constantly um, doing kind of study to make sure that I'm prepared for that and uh, I've just been drawing skulls so you know it's just it's it's fun but I keep on forgetting their shape and then like every time I go back to them I've forgotten something so but they're, they're getting better, so... Has it, do you feel like you've met... This has been a good chance for you to make some genuine progress? Oh, definitely. I mean, I... I've, since this lockdown has come along, I've kind of discovered my my way of learning, which is kind of a, a, a visual way of learning. And with that, I, I find the best way for me to understand something is uh, go along with someone doing that task or activity or whatever it may be. Um, and then kind of doing it myself afterwards. I wouldn't just be able to pick up, pick it up by doing it myself or listening to someone tell me how to do it. Um, yeah. I'd have to do it visually. So, so I suppose in a sense, you know, lockdown has been really helpful for stuff like that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, it's good to hear that you've got something out of it. I know there are plenty who haven't and have just... <laughs> just fallen apart in uh, in lockdown so it's, it's good that you've remained uh, myself sort of largely included in that but it's good that you've remained productive throughout this time so nice one um katie how about you how have you been over the last fortnight yeah um i guess probably the the biggest reason that we didn't record anything last weekend was because it was the fourth of july a celebration yep. of the anniversary the of us Telling Britain to buzz off. Absolutely. You absolute um, bunch of filthy traitors. <laughs> That's all I've got to say to you. Yeah, so we, um, so yeah, I did celebrate that uh, with a friend of mine and, you know, did the whole fireworks um, and drinking beer outside. It's hot. Yeah. Really unbearable and seriously unpleasantly hot. Um but you know, it was it was nice, nice to see another person my age and talk to them in person. Um, we got to watch Hamilton, cool, which I knew like a few of the songs, um, but didn't really know like much about it. As much as all my friends told me, it was really great, and it was. Yeah. It was really, really, uh, really impressively done. So I really want to catch it. How did what what medium did you uh or how did you get access to it? It's on not Netflix. It's on oh, it was on Disney Plus. Oh, is it? 
Yeah, cool. they so they recorded a performance with like the original Broadway cast. And it's just nice like one. yeah, it's just um from live like from the theater or whatever and now it's on Disney Plus. So Can you give me a potted history of the the sort of scenarios that are covered? Um, well, it's about Alexander Hamilton, who was the first treasurer of the United States. Got and it. um he wrote a lot of stuff like he wrote um the federalist papers or he wrote a lot of the articles in the federalist papers just kind of telling people we need to be um independent and not be under control of mm-hmm. great britain and the king so another, another traitor then just <laughs> yeah. the king of the traitors yeah yeah and so like george washington shows up and well the first couple of presidents all make an appearance um, and just are all kind of talking about a what to do with this like little baby country and b how it affects all of their personal relationships. The king of the king of England is it George the third does actually show mm. up a few times and is really 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 good. One of my favorite parts awesome. of the show. So, so is it a, is it a faked British an affected British accent or is it an um, authentic one? I actually don't know where he's from. I'm guessing it's. I mean, he puts on like you know Queen's English. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, but I actually don't know if he's British or American. Interesting. Well, I yeah, I didn't realize it was on Disney Plus. That's good because I have Disney Plus, so I'll check it. I think I do. Yeah. And I'm just thinking. I don't remember seeing it go out of the bank account. So That's, I think I it was on my bank account. That'll be I'm, why. <laughs> and I think I canceled it after we were done watching The Mandalorian. No. Um, well, I've certainly watched it since you've been away. Well, so I don't know I, how you're doing that. May, <laughs> I'll I think my bank account. No, I think I made my own account. I think. Well, I'll check it as well. Goodness me! Oh well. Um, anyway, that sounds lovely. I will. I will hunt it down. Um, anything else? That's been about it. Um, I'm still in America, but we're hoping not for much longer. Yes. Because it seems like things are starting to move a bit again. Yeah, so it may be that in the next few weeks, the Consumed Podcast will be instead recorded entirely around this tiny little table in North Norwich. (laughs) Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, Yes, good. Uh, Moving on to me, I've uh, not been up to that much because I've gone back to school I don't know what it's like for our American listeners. Oh, no, I, I do know what it's like for the yeah, American they're listeners. They're, na- they're on holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, British schools continue, certainly for one more week for us. Some of the private schools have already uh, closed. My dad works for one, and he's, he's on holiday, annoyingly. <laughs> um, so, but, but we're still back, and, and over the last couple of weeks, it's been sort of all hands on deck and trying to keep the school running despite you know only having half the intake or whatever. So I've been pretty much consumed by that. Um, so as far as non-video game things, I've been doing a lot more reading and audiobook listening. I think we alluded to that last time. Mm. Um, I finished Louis Theroux's book, which is, as I said last time, stunningly good, beautifully written. The only thing I don't like about it is the name, which I think undervalues it. It's, it feels like it, it's the name is the name of a jaunty comedy book, when actually it's a very, not I wouldn't say overly serious, but very mature and clear-headed and raw observation of his own life which I, th- I think is really really lovely 
I've also been reading a book that's a huge tome that I've had for years. Um, a friend of mine in China always recommended this guy. Um, the, he's a journalist called Graham Hancock, um, and he's written these sequences of texts and essays about... Um, he posits the idea of a civilization that existed before the oldest civilizations, so before the Egyptians, before the Incas. He suggests that actually there may have been a civilization even older than these, but that had a technology comparable or even maybe exceeding our current level of technology. Um, so that's sort of what he posits. So it's a little bit conspiracy theory y. Um, I don't the usually name of buy the book? it. So the book is called, there are there are lots of different books, but the one I'm reading, which I think was his initial thesis, is called Fingerprints of the Gods. Um, I think there were a couple of um, a couple of um, yeah sequels, and then he's since gone back and defended elements of Fingerprints of the Gods, which have been discredited since. Anyway, it, it's not sort of, he, he's not saying, look, you've been lied to your whole life. It's not that sort of conspiracy theory where he's just trying to prove ev- everything you know about history is wrong. You, you know, the government, you know, it's the Illuminati, they're covering the truth. And it's none of that. It's It's really just saying... Here are lots of things in history that do not make sense with our understanding of these cultures. For example, maps of bits of Antarctica, which have since frozen over. And, you know, the last time that they would have been sort of thawed out, we're talking much, much further back in time than any civilization we know about. Yet, the technology was clearly there to, with a startling degree of accuracy, map out these these hidden areas of Antarctica, so you sort of have to ask questions like, how was that possible with a, with with the cartographical skill that they did or didn't have back then, or things like the pyramids and how the and how elements of the chamber were actually built when what we know about Egyptian um, methods of carrying and building it it just doesn't fit. So there are lots of different weird anomalies in history i've not described it very well but the book is massive and it's loads of those sorts of things that simply ask the question how was this possible if what we know about the incas if what we know about um, the ancient egyptians is true then these things machu picchu the intricacy of its design and creation just don't seem very likely so what was happening how have these things happened and he posits that perhaps there was a civilization before um, so yeah, I think it's really I, readable. Actually, it's, go on, go on. Well, yeah, I, I've heard things. I've heard similar things like that. I feel like I've got to check if this is by the same person because when you told me this title, I thought you were talking about. I think it's called Chariots of the Gods, and it's mm. like the same. I it's the same exact idea, except the place the 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 source of all the information for like the Egyptians and Incas and Mayans or whatever was aliens who came to Earth and were like accepted as ancient astronauts visiting from other places <laughs> and like gave this technology to these civilizations. I think um, is that I've just looked it up. That's by someone called Eric von Daniken. Like, yeah, like a German guy or something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah um this is a little bit different it's like i say it's not quite as radical as that it's not (laughs) while he's while he's positing that this could be an explanation it's not very in your face which is why i like it actually it's just saying these are things that historians have not adequately explained away this is a thing that could connect all of these anomalies um so it's yeah 
And it, it, I think it has been widely, it's well reviewed, but I think academically it's been widely discredited. And there have been lots of, um, you know, historians and archaeologists who've come back at him for various reasons. But, you know, he says at the beginning of the audiobook, you know, there have been elements of this that have needed to be adjusted, but the the, the main thesis remains sort of relatively true in his mind. And, and he doesn't believe that he's been rebuttaled to any worthwhile extent yet. Um, but anyway, the the point is that it's a huge tome. Like I say, it's you know, it's, we're talking bigger than Order of the Phoenix sort of size. And that when it's non-fiction, that's a lot that's of a reading lot of for a, yeah. Um, so I've I've listened to talks of his before, and I've read bits of the book before. But now I just listen to it as the audiobook on the way to work, mm. and I've made quite you know, I've made a really big dent in it. And it's just he's quite it's quite an easy listen really, and it's really engaging. So. You know, I've I've felt that I've now since I've been driving back to work, I've really be, been able to sort of tackle some of these texts that I've always wanted to read and never found the found the time to do so. Well, the, next the latest... you should look up the alien one. Yeah, maybe I'll look into that afterwards. The other thing um, is before I've gone on for for too long, but the um, as I said to you the other day, I, for whatever reason, I've always been interested in um, religious texts. Um, so I thought, hang on, I know a lot of the stories from the Bible, but I don't actually know if I've ever read the Bible. So I bought an audiobook of the Bible read by David Suchet, who Harry will know as the actor who plays Poirot. Um, he, there, I've, I've got an audiobook of him reading the whole Bible, and it takes a year <laughs> to get through the whole thing. How, um, how long are you listening? Like, would it be to listen each day to get through yeah, so, yeah, I'm sure so that that's you're doing that. more. Yeah, so that's what it, it, it's actually nice. It's designed to be listened to in a year with about, you know, 10, 15 minutes per day. So, yeah, it's split up and it will just say like it does it with days. It says, OK, the 1st of January, here are your readings. And then, it, you know, and you get a New Testament reading, an Old Testament reading and a psalm. And then, it, you know, next day just starts from there. So it's quite nice. And it's interesting to see some of the parallels between the, 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 the New and Old Testament. But, yeah, um, yeah you know, speaking as an agnostic, if anyone's interested, <laughs> which I doubt you are, uh, it's just interesting, just culturally interesting to, to read the Bible. Um, so, so that's all. Anyway, sorry, that went on far too long. Um, heavy starter. Any th- huh? Yeah, heavy, heavy starter. What, what's an example of a heavy starter? Nachos. Uh, pate. <laughs> okay. Pate. Pie. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone uh, know what a starter is? Yeah, yeah, pate and bread. That's common. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on now to our main course, which I have a horrible feeling is going to be maybe as meaty, if not meatier than this. So it might be a bit of a long one today. Um, we're talking about the very controversial game, The Last of Us Part Two. Um, so we'll take a quick break and we'll see you after this. All right, we're back for the main course. It's going to be a Beef Wellington-esque main course, a really heavy one, I think. Or it you can is make it with mushrooms la- if you don't want beef. You can, absolutely. It's, it is The Last of Us Part 2. Um, and it's actually the reason that we've asked Harry to join us again for this episode, because I don't think it's an understatement to say he is a Last of Us obsessive. Is that fair to say, Harry? Uh, yes and no. I mean, maybe, le- maybe without playing the cards too early, maybe lesser now, but before The Last of Us 2 came out, you were an obsessive, weren't you? Uh, well, I don't know. It. I, I wouldn't say I was obsessed as such. I, it was one of those games where I'd play it through 
and then I enjoy it so much I want to play it again on the hardest no, difficulty. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not taking any of this. Harry, you said to me the, these very words. You said, Ben, look, just get me to The Last of Us Part 2 and I will die a happy man. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, and, you, and you didn't say it once. You said it over and over again. I sincerely would be fine dying as long as I've finished The Last of Us Part 2. To me, I would say obsessive is probably a fair, uh, accurate description. But uh, anyway, let, let's, before we move on to part two, because it's a, it's a long and tedious and tiring tale. Uh, not the game, just the story around it. Um, let's think about the original, Last of Us, by Naughty Dog, known for initially Crash Bandicoot, uh, then the Uncharted series, and then most recently the Last of Us series. Um, should we start with Katie? Because I know she's maybe the least familiar. Um, Katie, do you have any experience with The Last of Us? Any thoughts? I've given you some very accurate rundowns on you guys. Yes, you you have um, described the story to me clearly and in detail. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played it. Um, I can't. I can't even promise that I'm not going to play Animal Crossing during parts of this recording. <laughs> um, Good, yeah. it's, it's not normally the genre or style of game that I go for. What but, do you mean? Can you, can you unpack that a bit? What, what specifically doesn't make um, it that genre you'd go for? I mean, I don't really ever go for like shooters or... Yeah even zombie stuff or anything but from like listening to you guys and from doing a little bit of research outside of it it does seem like it's it's got a heavy enough like focus on the story and character development that maybe i could see myself being interested in the future um but it's not a title that i would be like oh like another another part is coming out to this yeah. to this game even though even though i've um gratuitously spoiled it all for you i think you mm-hmm. should um i would happily play through it again if you don't really want to do all the shooting um like just when you get back and you can experience the story because i think it's really 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 good um i think you'd be surprised but yeah i, I appreciate this it's not usually your sort of thing like the one, the one, the one thing that I delved into outside of this to, for my for my research to bring to this recording, there's a lot of Last of Us fan fiction mm. of like people adding things to the story or like delving deeper into characters' motives or things like that. Like I don't think I know the characters well enough that I could get anything out of the stories, but it seems like lots of people enjoy the story and want to add to it it, their own interpretations of the characters and things like that yeah and i think that's a very charitable and understated uh, reflection on what the fan base has in some perhaps minority instances uh become which is very poisonous but we'll come on to that (laughs) a little bit later um probably lost quite a lot of listeners then but uh harry the last of us original game thoughts uh it it was it was really good i I think it's one of those games where like 
it definitely wasn't a gameplay focus. I think if you looked at the games like Uncharted, um, it, I, in my opinion, but this is just how I kind of observed it, it didn't feel as well-designed or polished mm. as a game like that. I think it was one of those games that would come out and it's kind of... Um, uh, I, I wouldn't say gamble, but you you know it's it's one of those because that before the, that Last of Us there was nothing about it as far as my knowledge goes. So, you mean nothing like it? No, well, no, I, I mean it's nothing done by Naughty Dog along those lines. So you know that yeah. apart from uh, an Easter egg in Uncharted Three about the the virus on a newspaper, there was there was nothing about it at all, mm. and uh, I think it's. It, it does feel quite, I wouldn't say old, but it doesn't, I think when you play it, it doesn't feel like it's one of the, a Naughty Dog game. I think, I think a, yeah, it, I think a lot of people, I've heard that more than once now, actually, that people have, before they've played two, they've gone back to play one and they've been surprised at kind of, uh, sort of how clunky and archaic it feels. Yeah, and I, I think I think, in a sense, it kind of, it makes you think of the story because obviously that was the main focus, really. I think yeah. if 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 you were to strip The Last of Us Two and turn it into like a, a TV show, for example, with everything that was going on and turn some of those fights into like some sort of cutscene, I think it would probably just be as popular because yeah. you, you know it's that's what people come for. Really, is the story. It's not necessarily the gameplay to some extent. I think that's why when I talk to a lot of my friends about games, especially games like that appeal to them because they're not looking at it to see the game and see how it's played and all the yeah. rest of it. It's it's really all to do with the story, the characters and their journey. And it has to be said that Naughty Dog are maybe among the best developers to, to really build empathetic characters and scenarios mm. and stories. Because like, like Katie says, it is quite a generic setting even though the zombies are slightly different because they're sort of spore-based. But, you know, it's one of these settings we've seen done to death. But I think the genius of both of the games is putting a personal and unique spin just mm. from a character perspective on all of this. Um, yeah. Just just moving, uh, just sticking briefly on the gameplay, just for those who have no idea what it is, um, it is, I would say, third-person shooting, stealthing, mainly isn't it and mm. you, we say that they haven't really done anything like it it did sort of just take the uncharted motion and mechanics didn't it and the sort of slap it slow it down slap it in mm. um a post-apocalyptic setting and just sort of say all right off you go we've kind yeah. of got we've got the shooting mechanics sort of down and naughty dog have never been the best at shooting or even traverse traversal they, they've been the best at getting the the most visual fidelity out of a machine and the best characters and a really great voice acting. I don't think anyone would ever have really said that Naughty Dog's strongest suit is its gameplay. Um, so in a sense, it's maybe not surprising that the original hasn't aged all that well. Um, but no, I, I think all of those critiques and, and thoughts are fair. But it would also be fair to say, Harry, that The Last of Us 2 ends in a very powerful way. And I'm, and I'm not going to spoil anything about The Last of Us 1 or two, up to a particular point where we will say, okay, we're going to discuss spoilers. So listen without concern. We're not discussing any um, story beats until a certain point. Um, But The Last of Us 1 ends on a very profound and thought-provoking cliffhanger, doesn't it, Harry? Mm, Yeah. Um, To the point 
like like Katie says, that I think people it really lit up people's imaginations thinking about you know this story could have gone for the second one gone in so many different directions and there were so many fertile and interesting ideas that have spawned on, uh, from it um, and I think that's a really you can't really ask more than that when you're ending a game and hoping to make a sequel um, so I think we can all agree even though we you know no varying amounts about it that The Last of Us 1 was a successful game yeah 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 definitely okay then we'll springboard off that into the Last of Us Part Two, which has been a long time coming, it's been delayed a number of times because of lockdown. Harry said he was going to die after he'd done it. That's that was his final act. You know, there was a lot of anticipation. Well, that sounds a lot more darker when you put it that way. No, yeah. I meant as if I, I know was what you to meant. die, I would have been. I know you meant. I, know I would have been satisfied. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> um, so you know, there's been a colossal amount of anticipation for this game um, and as we will find out things have not been smooth for the game in its release or even in its reception um, the big part of that was do you remember Harry when a lot of this stuff got leaked can you tell us a little bit about that yes yeah, so um, it was well the second part that the, was leaked was a lot lot later and that was the ending so that's all really that needs to be said about that but the other part that was leaked was i'd say what was it about 25 minutes 30 minutes into the game which yeah. was the kind of big plot leak sort of thing which um wasn't really like i wouldn't say to some extent was the biggest thing about the game but it it definitely raised a few eyebrows I think especially to some of the fans of the community because oh, yeah. it wasn't what they were expecting at all which was the point to be quite honest but some fans took it completely the wrong way and I think yeah, that's yeah. why these leaks were such a big problem yeah so immediately once early elements of the story had been leaked loads of people were not on side loads of the fans had, as we've said really had a clear sense of what where they wanted this story to go and immediately it was clear that Naughty Dog in a way that's it felt it the reaction to this game has felt in some ways similar to the reaction to The Last Jedi where what people complained about that film um, they were complaining because it was subverting expectations and was going in directions almost to a fault trying to avoid what the fans wanted um, so there's an element of that maybe that's fed into the criticism of The Last of Us Part Two, um, But the uh, the other component to this leak is that it was a leak from a disgruntled employee mm. who was complaining about the level of crunch, which we've spoken about before, the level of overtime. Um, you know, so many members... And they didn't I think get it, paid. I think yeah. that, was, that was the thing. They hadn't been paid. Yeah, and, it, and it's led, and this treatment has led to a huge exodus of Naughty Dog... Um, employees. I don't want to quote a figure without having. I I seem to remember someone saying seventy percent, but that might not be mm. true. Seventy percent of Naughty Dog developers have since left the studio because what? of the poor the poor treatment. So mm. even before even before we get into the game itself, um, you know there are things in the back of one's mind questioning the ethics behind its creation, and there are mm. lots of interesting questions to discuss about regardless of the perceived quality of this game you know there are challenging things outside of the narrative itself that need to be addressed also um so anyway 
The Last of Us Part 2, not a very good start in terms of the fan reception, even before it was released. Um, we eventually, I, I managed to avoid the spoilers. You didn't quite manage to, did you, Harry? Uh, I saw it and then my brain deleted it <laughs> and yeah. I forgot about it until I then saw that spoiler occur when I was playing it yeah. and I thought, oh, so that's what I saw. It's, so it's, my, it's almost like your yeah. brain trying to protect your sanity. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you were like... You're like this is look. This is a guy who's put his life on this game. If this has been spoiled for him, I can't let him just remember this stuff. So your brain sort of <laughs> shut it down, which is interesting. Um, but let's start with the mechanics of Last of Us Part Two then, because we can discuss how it plays. Um, so for all intents and purposes, you you play the game as Ellie, um, but the uh, whereas in the previous game you played as as Joel, but this mm. time. It well, it remains a third-person shooter. It remains a, a stealth game um, with certain additions. So, Harry, if we're going to discuss the evolution of the gameplay from one to two, where would you go with that? Oh uh, well, it's it's changed a lot. I think in certain areas, it's still the bones of it. It hasn't, you know, it's still there. And if you played the previous one, you're going to have no trouble picking and understanding this one. Um, yeah. But it's. I feel to some extent it it feels more um I wouldn't say realistic as such but it it kind of makes it feel like you're more surviving than you were in the previous one the 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 previous one felt more like oh here's a shooter here's uh you know here's a stealth section or if you're struggling that hard here's a brick go and smash it into an enemy's face but yeah. in this game it's it feels a lot more desperate in the combat. Like, it, it feels more like it really is survival. And I don't think it reflects it all that well in the difficulty as such. So agree. I, I completely think, agree. Yeah. yeah, but I think visually and how everything is going on in the game, it does feel like you as a player are just on, you know, a very small line of whether you're going to survive or not which, a, which yeah you know, you're on, you're on, yeah. it's a desperate struggle and you're always inches away from death inches away from having mm. no ammo or no resources yeah. at all well that's that's a massive difference in the first one you had i wouldn't say loads and loads of ammo but you had enough like i think there was the revolver held six shots and i think you could hold up to t- 24 more bullets than the six ones you had in the chamber so i yeah. think it was 32 bullets in total if you counted the ones um if you counted everything so you'd have if you were stockpiling ammo you you wouldn't run out of it unless you were playing on on one of the hardest difficulties whereas in this game it's more realistic in the sense that every because everything's destroyed and everyone has you know very minimal uh kind of weapons and things ammo is very very scarce and it's more I'd say in some respects it's more strategically placed and it's it fe- and because of that it feels more like a desperate struggle. Yeah, yeah and at no point do you really... I mean, I, although I've, I've actually heard mixed opinions on this, but I agree with you in that at no point did I feel overstocked and, re- and ready to take down an army and there were points where I was a bit annoyed and I was like, oh, I wish I just had a bit more and could feel a little bit more secure. But I actually think that discomfort was intended and yeah. worked well. well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But there are plenty. There are people I've I've read about who've just been stealthing it so effectively that they've not really used any ammo and then they, mm. they have got loads. Um, but yeah, I agree about 
the idea that the gameplay is very much more of a mad, desperate, seat-of-your-pants, adrenaline rush of a struggle, whereas the last one was a bit more plod- plodding. It was just quite clear scenarios you'd go into and either stealth or shoot out in a sort of quite a simple way, whereas this is a lot more fluid. The amount of animation is mind-bogglingly large. Um and but you are essentially still often just going into a room there are loads of clickers which are the zombies or there are loads of men and you're taking them out however you need to um so ideally that's stealthing your way around knifing people but you know you may have to get into a firefight what i love about it is that unlike the first one i thought once you'd gone loud and been caught the chance of survival became very low um depending on where you were or your situation um or you sort of just had to stand your ground there and survive it. Um, whereas what I love about The Last of Us 2 is the areas are so big um, that you can, there's always somewhere for you to escape to. So you're never just sort of in a corner. So even if you're like low, you've got no ammo, you've got nothing, people are raining down on you, there's always a window you can jump through and you're desperately you know, diving over a counter and just hiding there and scrounging around for bits of ammo. I think that whole gameplay loop is flawlessly delivered and really works to, I think, achieve something special. Um, and as I just said, I, I think the the animation really really adds to that. Would you would you agree with that broadly speaking, Harry? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think animations, as, as you've been discussing, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen so many animations in the game, or even to that that quality. No. And especially due to those animations, uh, there you uh, one thing you haven't mentioned is the ability to crawl through small, um, narrow spaces. Yeah, you, which... I remember you, yeah, you've been, uh, again, don't want to use the word obsessed again, but I remember when we were first watching the trailers and you were like, Ben, you can crawl through narrow spaces. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and, then the, and then the game came out. And then every day as we were playing it together, well, playing it at different times, we were like, have you crawled through any of the narrow spaces yet, Ben? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did crawl through those, those spaces. What is it about the spaces that mean so much to you, Harry? I think it's because... It's weird that I feel like it's never been done in a game before that I can think of. But I feel like most games you spend time sort of crawling through a narrow space to hide the loading time of the next area. Yeah, but not not through combat. Crawl through tunnels and ocarina of time on the N64. That's true. That is true. I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying, but when it comes into combat as a form of getting around uh, an obstacle or... Fight, fight, like a short way of, of um, vanishing and yeah. using it to your advantage in combat I think that's what's very very impressive because um, th- in other shooters um, I've never you know had the ability to go right let's go through this small gap you know I, I feel like I've seen it in movies but never done in a video I suppose game. yeah it is good so you, in an example then you might be in a firefight and then you feel overwhelmed so you bail and you're sprinting down the road and then you see that there's a tiny little crack in a wall and instead of finding a door you can just sort of slither through that and then put some dis is that the sort of gap you're talking about yeah yeah definitely yeah no it is it is good and it's very fluid and it is nice to see someone sort of doing that sideways crawl through a gap without it lasting for 10 minutes as i said that's clearly that i mean that happens in set final fantasy 7 remake all the time cloud slowly shuffling through a little gap while it desperately loads in the next area before he gets out the other end um so it's nice to see it really fluid and quick and actually like you say useful in combat um so i think again i think we're in agreement the combat i think is the best 
that Naughty Dog's ever done. The, it's punchy. The guns and sounds are all um, impactful. Um, it's fast. It's fluid. I think just as a combat simulator, it it's sort of almost un, uh, unrivaled. I mean, the space. I mean, obviously, the spaces are smaller than you would get in some other more open games. Um, but just from a just from a gameplay minute to minute gameplay perspective, I think it's really really stunning. Um, Let's move on then. I just Go I on. just wanted to mention, yeah. uh, you can cut this out, yeah. but just looking at the video feed we've got here, I just want to say, Casey, you do look a bit like Ellie with that over shirt right now. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, interesting. Got a little cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> so moving on to story, we obviously we won't discuss anything specific um, and it might be a little bit difficult to... Um, but we want we need to give our impressions about the story because um, you know people might not be listening to the spoiler section that we're about to do. Um, so Harry, if you could try summarize your thoughts on the story, but without giving any specific details, what would you say? One word: what? stressful. <laughs> yeah, go on. Can you expand on that a bit? Uh it's just it's. Uh, I mean. Uh, when when looking at you know different medias and having all these stories which can be stressful or make you angry or whatever, I think one thing I can appreciate a lot about the Last of Us Part Two is I've I've never felt so stressed out whether it be in combat or how the story is is moving or anything like that and I I think that's that's what makes the story really stand out I think for me because I feel like I haven't seen or played something that's made me feel very stressed and it's very weird because you know when I want to play a game I don't want to be stressed and angsty and you know just absolutely going crazy over you know what's going on but I I did feel like that I'm not going to spoil anything but at one point in the game I think I was getting so immersed uh, in this in this fight that was going on. I just started growling like an animal, yeah. as if I was, you know, is because I was just, just I was so stressed out that I just wanted this thing to die um, because I felt so desperate. And uh, yeah, yeah, and there are definitely I couldn't agree with that more. Actually, um, you know, it's dealing with the same or similar themes as the original. I would say it's dealing with elements of revenge, um, with empathy. The idea of empathy plays a big role in in this latest story. Um, But I absolutely agree. The whole thing is a desperate, uh, sort of anxiety-ridden struggle. And it really imparts that on the player. I think in a a good way, in that, you know, you really feel for the characters, don't you? Um, You know, one of the... There is this sort of revenge element without giving any spoilers that that permeates the whole game with lots of different characters because um, obviously this is a this is a place where um you know things happen and people are out for blood all the time but when when you inhabit that feeling as a character i've never felt as driven in a story to take out a group of people and coupled with the brutal animations like just slitting throats and shotgunning people in the chest all of this stuff is so visceral but in the first bit of the game, I'm just like, I'm there, like in it, like desperately trying to get through and kill as many of these guys 
as possible and you just you feel your sanity sort of slipping away like you get mm. so wrapped up in in the journey and the desperate need for vengeance um, and I just think it's it's a phenomenal achievement to impart that on a player. Obviously, it's not a particularly pleasant feeling. And you think about it afterwards like I do now and think, what the hell was going on there? What was wrong with me? But that's that's absolutely the intended reaction, isn't it? You're meant mm, to yeah, really buy into those feelings. And just on yeah. just being able to buy into these characters and their feelings and their plights, I think, um, is the strongest suit of the story. I think if we were going to talk about weaknesses and remain unspecific it would simply be pacing um i don't know mm, if you'd agree with that harry yeah absolutely it's it, it's too long it's far, far, far too long. long it's far, yeah. far 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 too long it's like i sort of felt a bit similarly with final fantasy 7 remake i you know last was part two i i love it i mean I, I suppose i made that quite clear already i really love the game but i would have loved it even more if it was say 10 hours shorter because mm. it just it just keeps going. I don't know whether it's just because I'm getting older and I don't have as much time for this sort of thing. No, anymore. no, I felt exactly the same. It, it was it was far too long. Because I remember when when I when I was first playing it, I remember. Um, so I think we got it. Uh, I, I remember trying to have this sort of power nap yeah. before midnight so I could get to play this game. And I remember playing it, and and you said you said to me, you said, uh, uh, "Harry, couldn't you just finish this by like?" Well, was it like five or four o'clock in the morning, yeah. something along those lines? And I said, yeah. So then I thought, well, I remember when I looked at Final Fantasy, I wondered how long the game was. And even before the game came out, they they had a rough estimate of how long the game was going to take you to finish. So I remember when I looked up, and it was obviously wrong. When I looked up how long the Last of Us Part Two is, it said it was the same length as the first one. Yeah, that's not true. It's at ab- all. It, what it's is it like? So three long. times as long, maybe three or four. Yeah, it's times as long. And it's. I mean, without giving detail away, there's a point where you think it feels like an end, mm, and yeah. and you feel like, all right, fine. And and it's already been the length, maybe of quite a long game. You feel like a natural end point, but then it just keeps going again for another game's <laughs> length after that um yeah so it, it i would say pacing genuinely in the story is its weakest issue because i think the story it's trying to tell is wonderful but it's it's delivered in a very elongated um, and drawn out way and especially when you think about the amount of crunch and about how hard these people are working, about that level of detail that permeates the entire whatever it is, thirty hours. You sort and how how much of it feels like padding. You sort of feel like just take all those bits out, let people go home earlier, surely, because nothing, nothing about its length has garnered it critical acclaim, has it? In fact, it's yeah, only get, no. gained it derision. Um, and think about how yeah. hard those workers had to be pushed to get a game out of oh, that absolutely, length. absolutely, yeah. It, I mean, I, to be quite honest, when I look at it and I play it, I'm not, I, I, I think really hard about it. And I think, to some extent, for what's in it, or, or what the story's doing, it's not padded to some extent. But the fact that the the things they've put in there to to push the story along yeah. and and change your perspective that is why it is so I know, long I, if, yeah. if the game wasn't as intricate i think as as the first one was where it was like what was it like an hour or two into the game you knew what this story was about and that's it yeah. i think especially the the last of us 2 
not trying to spoil anything, but do, tries to do a big uh, 180 on everything about halfway through, which is this other game sort of scenario. Um, and I think that's that's why this game is so long. And when I look at it, I think with the with the quote unquote other half, if that could have been put into maybe some sort of cutscene, or even in fact mm. maybe watered down and put alongside what what you were playing in the first half, I think yeah, I mean it would we'll, we'll, have yeah. been better. We'll uh, we'll get into that because I think I think there's a good discussion point around that. I don't actually fully agree. I think. The structure's fine. I just and I think you could have made a relative, a much shorter game with that same structure split into the two distinct halves. But I just think, like even even in the first half, you know, th- there are bits that needn't be there. There are bits of development that, mm. that can be chopped out of the first and second half just to bring uh, the length down, in my opinion. But we'll come we'll come to that in a bit. But I would just say pacing generally. I've I've seen a lot of criticism about the story. People saying it's very unfocused, doesn't know what it wants to say, doesn't really have a story. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, all, I I vehemently disagree with all that all that criticism. But again, we'll come on to specifics in a little bit. So I, I suppose obviously it's a naughty dog game. We don't need to speak that much about the, the graphics because suffice it to say they're generation definingly stunning, and that you know there's really little else you can say. As we've said about the animation, they're the most authentic and realistic things I've really seen in a digital game before. Um, the, the level of detail is, is unbelievable. Um, so I think we've probably exhausted the non-spoilery stuff we can say. I'll just conclude by saying I really, really love it. If you're on the fence because you've heard some um, negative criticism, I would say it's definitely worth taking a punt. At the very least, you'll get enough gameplay. You know, it's worth the money because you get a lot of gameplay out of it. Um, I think it's worth taking a risk on, just from a gameplay perspective. Obviously, if you've got some ethical issues around Naughty Dog, you don't want to reward that sort of um, work ethic. I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I respect that stance. Um, but just from a game, I, th- I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, before we move on to spoilers, Harry, um, do you want to give concluding thoughts, just general perspective? Um, well, I'm going to say, if you're not going to see the spoiler part, give it a chance. Yeah. That's all I, all I can say, is give it a chance. Yeah. Because, you know, I one thing without trying to spoil anything. I think if if there was no leaks at all and I would have heard absolutely nothing at all from the game until I'd finished it, you know, completely blinded it, I think my final opinion, which, well, not final opinion, but my near opinion, which will be in the spoiler um, part, wouldn't wouldn't have occurred at all. Do you think? Do you think? I, I that, think do you think a lot uh, of the negativity around the discussion sort of seeped into your position? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because the entire time I was playing, I was constantly looking out for what the issue was, and I think that's because of that. I was constantly like, "Is it that? Yeah. Is it that? Is it that?" And because of that, although I was enjoying it, it was causing me at times to not enjoy shame. it because I was looking out. Such for a the shame issues. as well, isn't it? And I suppose mm. we'll discuss this a bit more a bit later. The the discussion about this game has been among the most poisonous that I've seen. And the gaming industry can be oh, very poisonous. Yeah. But some of the nonsense and some of the hate mm. that has come out because of this game aimed at the actors just because they were they were doing a job and delivering some of this audio. Death threat yeah, threats sent right. their way. It's absolutely bizarre it's really bizarre and just the level of hatred for the game as far as i can say is 
is absolutely unwarranted, apart from those yeah. ethical issues around Naughty Dog. Um, mm. But it's worth mentioning, though, Harry, I think that, you know, when you finished this, given how anticipated you were, it, you were disappointed by the end, weren't you? <laughs> I fell into some sort of depression. Yeah, no, gen- <laughs> no, just, I, I think this is an important point to make. As a diehard fan, for a little while, you were, you know, it did bum you out, didn't it? It, did, it wasn't mm. necessarily as the, the way you wanted things to go. Uh, and that yeah. and that's a very common and fair criticism of this game, I think. Um, we'll get into specifics in a little bit. All right. So that was maybe the meatiest of main courses we've ever had. We're now an hour and a half because time of recording. Are you looking forward to editing this, Katie? No. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've been just, yeah, kind of just taking all this in. I think it would be... I don't know if fun is no. the right word to play this game. I mean, I'll, I'd be interested to look at it. I think we should play. It I, sounds I, like there's... Go on. It's just, it sounds like there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would be interested in giving it a go. I think I, think I should... Um, I've got them both on PS4. I think maybe if you don't want to play it, you can just watch the original. We can play it through together. I think because I think it's a story worth experiencing. Um, hmm. Yeah, the fir- the first one is definitely more warmer and yeah. more, I think, a nicer yeah. story. Cool, cool, cool. All right, well, we'll take a quick break and we'll probably be back with a relatively short dessert. Bye. And we are back for the dessert part of this, episode nine. Um this is the part where we talk about just another game we've been playing. Um, so, Harry, guest, what have you been playing? Marmite on a plate. In other words, Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. Switch edition. So, yeah, Switch edition. So, first off, anyone who's interested in this game, never played it before, wants to know if it runs on the Switch, which people sometimes think it runs like you know absolutely terrible and then we've got the witcher 3 on there which runs pretty okay dragon's dogma runs all right it's not too bad and especially when you play it in um uh in handheld mode its issues are a lot less apparent because it's a smaller screen um but if you're a fan of dragon's dogma wanting to go back or someone who just wants to play dragon's dogma in general it's fine runs okay no issues with it um, but I I did refer to this game being Marmite, and the reason this is my own personal feelings towards it, and the reason I think that is it's just weird. <laughs> it it's is. a very weird, weird game. Very weird. Um, so it's made by Capcom, and you know Capcom makes all these games: Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, Dead May Cry, all sorts of games like that. Well, it's some disgusting mess of well weird mess of devil may cry monster hunter i'd say a bit of dark souls and uh yeah bit, that's of, all I bit can of skyrim it with. it's bit of sky yeah yeah definitely bit of skyrim and it's just it's odd i mean you know if if you're if you were these fans of you know, old kind of medieval talk, you're going to love this game if you want to hear, uh, uh, a goblin over there! Let's slay him! And you hear that, you know, every 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, 
Yeah. You'll be fine. Um, but it's... <laughs> I'm kind of just saying this without there being any context, but I will go into the story because it's... Well, I didn't understand most of it, so you're not going to get too much out of me. But I'll go with the very beginning, so... Um, slight spoiler, but it's like two minutes into the game. Um, as you probably imagined by the title, it's about a dragon. Um, and this dragon, forgotten its name, um, <laughs> um, it kills your main character, which you create. It's a, very similar to Dragon Age when you create your character and you rip your heart out, it. doesn't it? Um, and doesn't it rip your sorry? heart out? Yeah. So it does this very weird looking thing it looks like your heart just teleports out of your body it just it, it, it doesn't very seem very impactful yeah. but it, it but yeah so it pr- practically takes your heart on a skewer, skewer of it of its of its like dragon nail thing and somehow you're still alive would not do, doesn't seem to be wreaking much pain i mean you are a silent protagonist but it doesn't seem like you're in that much pain uh, and then i think Either your heart evaporates or it explodes and you pass out. But somehow you're still alive and you then get named the Arisen, which is an interesting name. And then, yeah, generic, interesting name. Uh, And then all of a sudden you're on a quest to kill the dragon. Um, Or that's what I thought. It kind of gets muddled and because it's not... No offence to the writing. Proper speaks. It's just all tis and, and you know, kind of Shakespearean sort of, you know, words. Yeah. Um, I, I usually didn't know what was going on. <laughs> um, but, so, you know, it, it, it starts off where, you know, you're going to hunt this dragon and you have these things, which, as I was, you know, saying previously, these weird shouts and random conversations. You have these things called pawns, which... Uh, uh, weird creatures they're they're interdimensional beings that look like humans and they fight alongside the arisen um and they're the most horrible they're they're like they're essentially sorry to jump in they're essentially ai controlled um characters aren't they but they're but you can like download them from other ones that people have made yeah, well, you used to. They've taken um, down the servers oh, right. actually quite recently, so you you can't do that anymore. They're only generated now. Um, but yeah, as, as as Ben was saying, they are just kind of generated um, kind of companions, and you can create your own, um, and you can kind of customize them. And this character will grow up with you as as you uh, uh, level up, and then uh, you have you kind of switch out these other two companions which won't level yeah. up because they're kind of stuck at a single level. Um, and yeah, it's it's just kind of a version of Skyrim, but in my opinion, at times horrendously cringy, and it's just like it's 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 horrible. And I I, th- I think it's just because I I don't play fantasy games like that, and usually not fantasy games very often. I think probably the the um, the most fantasy like games I've played is probably Skyrim. So I think that's why. Because they're quite different from each other. It's I was essentially, like, like um, it's Skyrim, but third person, right? And then the combat is much meatier and more uh, sort of impactful, yeah. like almost Devil May Cry combat, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's Devil May Cry and a, and a mix of um, Monster yeah. Hunter. So if you're a fan of either of those games, uh, well, Devil May Cry 1, not 5. You're not going to get anything special. But if you're a fan of Devil May Cry 1 and the Monster Hunter games, is you're going to like um, this combat. Is it, is it good? Um, I imagine it to be quite a good Switch game because you can just like pick up a couple of missions and do it while on the train or whatever. To some extent, yeah. One thing that is horrendously irritating about this game, it has one save file. And this one save file can constantly be overwritten. So if you make a mistake somewhere along the lines, like for example, you make a bad choice in the story, which you can do, uh, or you, um, or you, for uh, like at one point, I realised there are these certain classes for the Arisen, which are a mix between two. So I could have been what I thought was awesome was a mage with a with a sword and shield. Now, how cool does that sound? So I thought, oh, awesome. But then it takes away a lot of the abilities I like. Like, I've got a kind of stinger ability for my character, similar to Dante's sort of um, forward slash thing. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so there's there's no... There's only one save file. Um, and that can, that can kind of take away, I think, the Switch experience if you're playing on the Switch. Um, and it's it's kind of irritating for that but if if you know you're not too worried about it you just want to play a game like that and you know you're not someone like me or makes constant mistakes then you're going to be absolutely fine um but yeah it's it's a very interesting game uh, if you can get past the odd little uh things that i personally don't like uh like yeah. you know the pawns and um certain things like that then you know you're going to really like this there. game if you're a fan of the cool. games yeah you, you'll you'll be personally nice. surprised yeah I, I i played it a bit on ps3 didn't get into it but i think it would be quite a good switch game anyway takes the yeah, time for you to warm sure, up to it sure. i think it took me a cool, while cool. all right um yeah. katie sorry i think i should have just asked you to go next because you just spent an hour not speaking um <laughs> but, okay. yeah what about you um i've got a game that's not very good and I don't right. think anyone should play right. it um, <laughs> but I'm playing it and it's um, I think it's a mobile game uh. that has been ported to the Switch uh. um, and uh -oh. it's called Pokemon Cafe Mix oh I've seen that on there no. <laughs> well, I've never heard of it it's and... rare that I never hear of a video game well, I'm gonna you're gonna learn. Um, I think that as one of the reasons that we named this podcast the Consumed Podcast is that Ben has often said that I am the ideal consumer because I, I you know, if we're watching a movie and I see somebody's eating Pringles, that was like, it. I gotta stop that the was movie and go get that some was Pringles. Where it started. We went to watch Wolverine. Um, what's it called? Logan. And yeah, someone ate mm. some Pringles and immediately Casey just said, I want some Pringles. And, and I didn't get much more out of the story <laughs> yeah. than that. So <laughs> I think that I'm a good, like, I don't know, the format of a mobile game, even without like the money or the transactions or anything, but the format of like how it keeps you coming back yeah. definitely works on me. So the, it's just it's just a little game where you like, you just you build a little cafe and you you it's staffed by Pokemon and Sound, the customers great are also so Pokemon. <laughs> but the like the actual gameplay is just like a little matchy 
match up oh, some Pokemon no. faces and like do some oh, attacks no. or whatever. Um, and then you whip up a cute little latte with like Eevee dust, like a latte art Eevee on top. And it's all really cute. So it's essentially Candy Crush, but Pokemon. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I mean, t- this just doesn't sound that bad to me. I mean, is it on Android as well? It's it's a time passer. Yeah. I don't. It might be. I think it's 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 definitely just like a time killer. Yeah. So that's why I made it my dessert for this cool. week. Cool. Interesting. I might. I'm genuinely going to check it out. Um, nice. Awesome. All right. Don't get too excited. I won't. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't have a good track record with mobile games. I tried to download that Fire Emblem one, but couldn't get into it. Um, well, keep keep your expectations low, okay. and it'll be fine. Okay. Um, so my dessert. Um, I'll try and keep it brief. Although I always say that. Um, recently, I've got a new PC because Har- obviously we spoke a little while, a couple of weeks ago about Harry building his new PC, and he had quite a good one before, but it wasn't good enough to run the software for his uh, his upcoming um, degree course. So I bought his old one off him, or the shell of it and most of the components, and I've put new hard drives in it. So now I sort of have a PC running sort of, you know, PS3 and early PS4 generation games pretty well. Um, I am now playing sort of last generation and some of this generation games in a relatively good PC. So I've used it as a chance to jump back into some old classics that I can't get on PS4. So Harry and I have been playing Splinter Cell Blacklist, which we were playing bit earlier today really really love it good co-op experience miss splinter cell dearly i really want some of that stuff back i think harry agrees Um, but i wanted to talk about gta 4 which is a gta i've not completed which is weird um had that again on ps3 never finished it um the port on steam used to be really shit but i think they've updated it slightly and it seems to be running fine um but it's actually i think it's an underrated gta game it's very very brown and it's got sort of a version of New York, which is not the most inviting. It does look like there's poo. It, uh, it does, screen. yeah, especially when you compare it to GTA Five, set in LA, very vibrant, very sunny. Um, Four is very muted. But you play as Nico Bellic, who's this European immigrant, which actually now, like sort of in, I mean, I suppose it had weight then, but, you know, given with Brexit and various other things that have happened since its release that have brought the immigration question into greater focus. I think it, it adds another dimension to it. And it's really interesting to see Nico as an immigrant interact with, um, you know, the American way of life and uh, the promise of the American dream and how that never, it doesn't ever quite live up to what um, what it says on the tin. Um so there are loads of really interesting... Dyna- Obviously, it's very extreme. Nico immediately goes into the crime underbelly of New York and there's a lot of violence. Um, but the characters are really lovely in some ways. Some of them are horrible, obviously. Um, but Nico and the relationship between Nico and his brother Roman, um, very well drawn. Hey, Yeah, and you bowling. can do all sorts of cool <laughs> activities. So uh, you can do like the standard missions as you ordinarily would, but then you can, you've got a mobile phone. You can just ring Roman up and go bowling with him. Just if you want, ring up your girlfriend and go uh, go and grab some food with her. You can just do that whenever you want. You can even go on into the internet cafe because it was set in like the early 2000s. Um, go on a dating website, find a girl you like, get her contact details, contact her, go and pick her up, take her on a date to a bowling alley or whatever. Um, or take, go and take in a show. So there are lots of sort of quite ambitious um, role-playing <laughs> 
elements to it which i which that's I'd... probably all i would do if i were playing yeah yeah i mean it's, it's you can see the limits now and it's not from gta san andreas which was very there were loads of choices in san andreas that ways that you could change cj the main character it's not that expansive but it's still an ambitious game, and I, yeah, I have to say I'm 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 really enjoying it, having put it off for for a long time. Um, the combat's very clunky. I'd say that's its its weakest element. Mm. But just from a writing and story and uh, setting perspective, thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, but my question for you, I don't know if they've mm. changed it in that new updated version. Is blind firing still ridiculously active? Um, good question. I didn't see. I think I missed a few blind fire shots, so maybe not. But also, I'm rubbish at it. So, but um, I'm not really sure. I don't do that much blind firing, so um, I can check that and let you know. But because I I remember playing it, and because blind fire was so accurate, I just used to never get out of cover. Yeah, I just used enough. to blind fire everything, and I'd be fine. <laughs> Have you, did you finish it? Cool. I did. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, and I and they completed Did you? the DLC. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to go on to them afterwards. Awesome. Mm. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Goodness me, we're approaching two hours. I really pity the person that has to listen to this and edit it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you need to contact us, you can get us at theconsumepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, all of our contact details are there. Thank you if you've made it through this whole odyssey. Goodness me. Um, we'll be back soon with a slightly lighter meal. Um, so have a lovely week and we will see you soon goodbye